Salutations and welcome to the Cauldron of Gaming podcast show. This is a video game show for witches, wizards, and the magical at heart. I'm your host, Frankie. Today, I'm joined by the meticulous Josh. Yo, yo. I'm also joined by the lively Facile. Facile Fatagen. <laughs> and <laughs> finally, we have here today with us the imaginative Hebris. Hey, hey. Uh, deepest apologies, 1,000 uh, requests for forgiveness to our listeners out there. We recorded this intro already, and we played a full-ass game, as well as talking about what we wanted from Santa and what Fasil did not want from Santa. <laughs> um, but due to my epic fuck-up, that did not get recorded. So <laughs> you will be, after this, hearing us uh, kind of integrate into what Josh has been playing. Um, and basically I explained that we're going to be talking about what we're playing. So after this, you're going to be here. You're going to go into the segment where we're talking about how many times am I going to say that, that what games we've been playing since last we recorded. Um, what you missed is that we played a game, um, where we were guessing the game of the years from different years of different publications, such as the Dice Awards, Game Informer, IGN, the tally of that game was that Josh lost. He had no points. Thanks. You didn't want that mentioned, so that's the first thing I want to say. (laughs) Fabrice came in second place with a point, so he didn't lose this time. And um, let it be known (laughs) that he did not lose. Uh, Basile won with two points. So that's what you missed out on. Uh, We're going to slowly integrate into what we've been playing. And uh, we're going to start here with Josh talking about... um, Oh god, what was that game called again? Why can't I think of it? Phoenix Immortals. Uh, Immortals Phoenix Rising. Immortals Phoenix Rising. Here you Absolutely. Go. Yeah. Phoenix Rising is uh, like Breath of the Wild meets uh, Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Oh. And um, and I honestly I like it a little bit more than breath of the wild and it's just because um i feel like i don't know what it is about it but uh, oh actually it's right so it's usually the most simple simplest mechanic in the game that can usually make me not like the game very much i mean i'll still like it but it'll kind of still make me feel like eh. and that is my weapons don't break in um <laughs> immortal in immortals so oh, trust. I, yeah <laughs> so, anyway um that's uh also to so if, if y'all are interested in Greek mythology or if you know your stuff in Greek mythology, this is a great game to play. Yeah, and then um, I'm also playing uh, Temtem, which is the, uh, the version of Pokemon that Pokemon should be today. <laughs> yeah, actually, I, um, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about this. Uh, I want you to go on, but I did want to mention that I just bought this game too after we talked about it a little bit, and I did start it. So I have a little Fantastic. bit to okay. ask you about. But yeah, so honestly, it's hard. When I play Temtem, it's hard for me not to call them Pokemon. <laughs> it sucks. <laughs> but uh, I still love I love, the, I love the designs of these Tem. Um, I, actually, I think the battle system is a little bit better. Than oh, 100%. Is. I completely yeah. agree. So, cool. There's two things that I like about it. One is, so actually, in Pokemon, you're, the one thing that really limits you when you're battling is your, how many times you can use a move. It's called PP. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, so, 
But here's the cool thing about, I think it's really cool about Temtem is that you actually have stamina. You're, 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 you're I'm about to call it Digimon. <laughs> your, uh, your Temtem, <laughs> your Tem, your Temtem have uh, stamina and all your moves will use a certain amount of stamina. And uh, what happens is, let's say you use a move that, uh, let's say you only have like 10 stamina left, but you use a move that uses 20 stamina. You can still use the move, but what ends up happening is you're, you actually hurt, your tem, your Temtem hurts itself to, to be able to use the ability. Yeah, I saw that. I, I, um, it took me a while to figure it out because I saw that some Temtems I was battling hurt themselves. Because mm-hmm. um, I don't think there's like a the game doesn't really explain a lot to you. You just kind of have to figure it out, right? You learn, yeah. You don't. You learn about the whole exhaustion thing late. I think later, like once you get to your first town. But I remember my first battle that I lost. I lost it. Uh, actually, well, not okay. The I won't say talk about like the one of the uh, people you have to fight. But I'll say one of the battles that wasn't a scripted battle where you had to fight the person. Um, well, actually, to fight a lot of people. Anyway, I lost a battle purely because I knocked my Pokemon, or my Tenchi, my Temtem out. Because <laughs> 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 you forced him too hard? <laughs> it's so, God. I, it's yeah, struggle. Um, it's, so, it's so hard. I mean, literally, to me, Tem, Temtem, the, the creators of Temtem, I can't remember who they are, they're a group out in Europe. Um, they they, they thought, like, okay, Pokemon's awesome. I'm not sure if they really said this, but to me, the impression I got was, Pokemon's awesome, but Pokemon is not what we want it to be. It's not this online, persistent world. And uh, Temtem's developed by Crama, a Spanish game development studio. Thank you. Right on. So, um, and I literally, I feel like when I started playing and getting into it, I really feel like, damn, this is literally like uh, Pokemon. I don't know why they haven't made a version of Pokemon. Like why Game Freak hasn't made a, uh, version of Pokemon that it's like this because that's basically that's what Temtem is. Temtem is what Pokemon honestly should be. I um I I did want to mention that 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 was one of the first things I noticed is that the uh, the battles seem to flow. Like I don't feel like the battles flow in uh, Pokemon, but in this game they just kind of like mm-hmm. things just happen in such a natural and like quick way. Like mm-hmm. it just feels like. I like doing battles because it it's not like stop and go like Pokemon right. per se. And there's actually moves that synergize. So like let's say uh, you might have um, a mental Temtem that so long as there is a poison or nature Temtem um, with it on the battlefield, it gets a boost to one of its abil- one of its one of its moves. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that. So it's um, really cool. When I saw trailers for it um, and saw basically previews from game journalists about what this game was the footage for some reason didn't really make me think that it was as close to pokemon as it it ended up being Mm. because when i when i started that new game it's like wow this is exactly like pokemon it's just that the colors are much more vibrant and Mm -hmm. uh crazy Uh, the graphics are just like slightly different um but you can definitely tell it's just a studio's take on trying to make pokemon better Mm -hmm. And honestly, I, I'm having more fun and enjoying this more than I did Pokemon uh, mm. Sword, which I didn't end up finishing. Um, <laughs> the, the, the fact that the grass is like seafoam green and the hills are like this reddish color. Like the colors are, I, I love the creative choices they made. Mm. Um, you know what that means though, right? Corona? No, no, no. Like Nintendo <laughs> rarely changes their formula, and they oh, do this yeah. thing where they they retain everything, but they add like one new dynamic and make it seem like it's this whole new game. You know. Well, if Temtem mm-hmm. can push Game Freak to do better, then I will be uh, color color me. You know, I'll be happy. But I think uh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think it's like if there's like 
the more and more buzz comes around with, oh yeah, Temtem is We'll see. Now, Temtem is still in early access right now. We are not playing the full version of the game, um, so which, I, which I had no idea. I thought we were getting the full game. Me too. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, um, I was surprised does, to I, spend my $40 and then see that message at the beginning. Yeah, I was like, uh, me too. I was like, well, hot damn. Well, I mean... <laughs> I want to, I'll, I'll still, I'll still, uh, I'll still participate. Um, another thing is too, it doesn't like, um, I don't know about you, Frankie, but this game, I've already had two game, game breaking, two game breaking uh, bugs. I've had to actually get on the forums to get them get me unstuck from places I got stuck at fighting, fighting trains. And then, um, but it's cool. So their, their developers are, are, they do pay attention, which is good. Um, we'll see how fast they fix the issues in this one area though, because it is literally game breaking. I don't know. It might slow people down because of it. And then, um, cause I actually had to wait, I got stuck once and they fixed it like two hours after about two hours. And then I got stuck again and I had to wait six hours to get the next fix. So to get on six, so I can play again. Yeah. And, uh, I... it does crash on me. But otherwise, that's uh, I did try. One of the game I did try, which I won't speak too much about, is uh, Hunt Showdown. Wait, before you move on to a different game, okay. um, I just had one final question for you. Sure. Who did you pick as your starter Temtem? Oh, I can't remember what it's actually called anymore, cause, but because uh, I renamed it. <laughs> renamed yeah, it. I, I renamed all <laughs> I renamed it. I renamed it Neo. But anyway, uh, it's, uh, it's the uh, mental type uh, Temtem. Oh, uh, okay. Which one I did picked- you choose? I picked the crystal type, the little green dinosaur looking one. Which is kind of, which I oh man, I that freaking dinosaur turtle thing, I freaking hate that temtem because my temtem it's weak to crystal. <laughs> so oh, it's that's to, why. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was gonna say when I saw it, I was like, this is the cutest little thing. This is the closest thing to a little dog having <laughs> So that's why I picked it. I loved it. Oh, there's some other then you'll you'll be definitely be happy when you meet some other when you find some other temtem. Um but it's crazy. This game, it seems like a big, for what it is, it seems like a relatively big game. And the story is one of those, eh, whatever's, you know. Monster I, I didn't expect collecting. a lore. No. no. The great, great thing is that, like, there's, a, there's one of your, your rival, essentially. He says that he will kick your ass. Like, literally says he will kick your ass. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> they also, I noticed that the nemesis that you make at the town um, identifies as they, them. Which is oh and, yeah, that's actually something. and the game actually asks you what your pronouns are too when you're in the character creation. Which mm-hmm. um, uh, Bravo Crema evolving yeah. with the times. Yeah, I was I was kind of yeah I'm kind of curious. I'm waiting I'm waiting to see if anybody covers it to see what their takes on it our takes takes on it are. So so I never thought of that being in, um it, in a game like that being important. So it's cool that they added that. Right. Mm-hmm. You had another game you were going to talk about. I'm sorry. Oh yeah. So as you guys know, I usually te- I typically play. I do play like one narrative game, and I will play one multiplayer game typically, or two multiplayer games actually. Um, so um, I have one friend that I play multiplayer games with, uh, like usually five, just usually five times a week, and we played uh, a game called. We tried it out actually. We haven't officially actually played it. Played it. A game called Hunt Sh- uh, Hunt Showdown. It's made by Crytek, the same guys that made Crisis. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, so think of it like um, it's a battle. It's a it's a royale where you a battle royale where you're with PvP and PVE elements. Uh, you're thrown into a uh, a Louisiana uh, map and swamp swamp area, and with twelve other players, and the objective is to um, hunt your bounty, which is going to be some type of uh, zombie lich type thing, monster, 
And let's say what, whatever team or whatever person gets their bounty first, it will shoot like a flare up in the air. Everybody will see where that person is. You have to cleanse the area. People can come at you, try to kill you and other players. And then you have to, once you cleanse the area, you have to go to an extraction point, wait another 30 seconds, and then you're done. You win the game if you can survive. <laughs> yeah, so. Um, it sounds like, it sounds like a weird take on like, you remember, you guys remember that game that looked so cool and then just disappeared? What was it called? Conquer's yeah. Bad Fur Day? No, no, not that. You had Much to bring it up. <laughs> not, not much. It's, it's not a multiplayer game. And you had it, reminds, it, it reminds me of uh, Evolve. That's what it's called. Oh, that, Evolve. That, that yeah. game you were describing reminds me mm-hmm. of Evolve. It had, that game had potential, but it just didn't take off. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, yeah. That's, oh, I did play. Uh, I did actually also play. I did play a couple, a few round, handful of rounds of Fall Guys recently, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> Are you going to jump back in for season three uh no uh, so fall guys is literally a game that i'm only going to play with people if they don't want to play anything else and we just want to shoot the shit and have fun that's great yeah. yeah yeah so no i won't be oh that whole like what is it like 100 tier 100 reward system i will never unlock one of those <laughs> i mean some of the outfits require you to buy them with crowns True. i don't know how many games i've played but i've only won a single crown it's not, oh, it's not easy to win a whole game of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then when you have to pay like five crowns for an outfit, it's like, girl, I'm never going to get that outfit. <laughs> I'm still waiting for them to put like game modes that I'm actually, that I really want to play. Like, I don't like any of the team game modes. I think it's like one of the things that hurts the game. I yeah, want, go ahead. I, I want them to add like, a, 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 all you do is obstacle course. Because I feel like anytime you jump on the obstacle course, unless you're on PC and you cheat, uh, you, you can't really like it's you can't you, the same you won't have the same experience all the time you might wait you might be like the first in the top 10 percent to get to the finish line or you might completely fail and be the last person in the, and be the you know get knocked out i do want them to put like more um types of games in there but with season two they mainly showed off a game where you push blocks so that other people can climb them and jump up and I, did, I just didn't even try it because I was like, I either I'm going to be the one who pushes the blocks and then I'm in last place, but I helped everybody else out. Mm-hmm. Or I'm just the one that's like waiting for somebody else to push the block and nobody wants to do it. Or here's a third option. Well, I, did, I did this to somebody. They were trying to uh, jump on a small block to a big block to jump over the wall. I moved the wall. They, when they jumped on the big block, I pushed the big block away from the wall. <laughs> I was like, anyway, but yeah, those are the games I was playing. <laughs> I'm playing. All right. Well, Fabrice, you want to tell us what you've been playing? Well, I'm not playing Temtem. <laughs> uh, girl, I'm playing the same. I'm on the same roster, same games. I did restart Hellblade because we have that uh, games cast that we should be doing here soon. Mm-hmm. For the yeah. third fucking time. But that's fine. <laughs> But I've just been focused on, because my creative drive just kind of went down to the shits. So I'm trying to get back into that. So I've been in the studio just drawing and getting my shit together, studying and trying to get this witch down. So we have a, a, a face to this podcast. Yeah, to listen to right. um, Fabrice is working on a new logo for our show. So please mm-hmm. be excited. <laughs> And that's not true necessarily. Didn't we play? Did we? Hmm. I know we've been playing a way out, um, Sackboy, a big adventure, and I swear there was another one. 
Is that it? <laughs> I think that's it. Yeah. We also play a little bit of Tekken bowling. <laughs> yeah. Nothing, nothing new, but yeah. Uh, I'm on my same, <laughs> same list. So stay tuned next week. <laughs> <laughs> right on. All right. Well, Fasil, you got some games that you've been playing since last we spoke? Uh, I mean, like, I'm not really thinking anything that different either. Uh, I've just been playing, I guess it's funny since you guys bring up Tim Tim. Uh, I've been playing Digimon Cyber Slave. Right on. Ooh. Okay. Is it good? Yeah, I like it. Uh, I like it. It's, it's, I mean, I like it. It's like, um, mm. I'll be honest with you. Like, I could take or leave a lot of the game. I just, I understand it for like finding ways to like just digivolve different kinds of Digimon. Mm. That is like my only drive in doing everything else in the game. Like, I think because I like that nostalgic feeling of trying to build up a really strong team from scratch. Mm. Um, you should play Temtem. <laughs> well, I, I will when it's a little more than early access. Fair enough. Uh, um, besides that, I've just been playing, you know, XCOM Two, just very punishingly hard game. Yes, it is. Um, yeah, very, it's... <laughs> like I, I have to put it down sometimes and just switch over to like Cyrus because it's just like you know when I lose like a, a a guy that I really really like and I know he's gone for good and it's like oh, mm. fuck this. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, like I, that's all I've been doing since my PS4 has been out of commission. But there's like a, a lot more games that I want to take on. But like right now, I'm like functionally handicapped. Speaking of Digimon, um, do y'all remember that Digimon that's like a rabbit? Uh, Cargomon? Long... I don't know. The one that has. Oh, no, no. Terriermon. The one that has gun barrels for fingers. Oh, yeah. No, no that's Cargomon. Is it? Yeah, I can't remember the names very well. Yeah, I really like that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah he's, he, I actually have him on my Digimon. In the game? Yeah, actually, the way that you Girl's Digivolve, the, like the way you Digivolve Digimon is actually really interesting because you know every Digimon has like a branch of different um, evolutions it can transition to at like, every stage of its evolution, and there's like a buttload of conditions that you have to meet for each individual Digimon that you're trying to. Uh, unlock, so to speak, by digivolving in every stage as you go up higher to the upper echelons. And um, yeah, it's really, really extensive. Like, you have to do a lot. And to unlock a lot of the Digimon to their, like, full potential, you actually have to basically de-digivolve them and have them regress back into their previous form. You know, then they start at level one, and you have to raise them all over again, then digivolve them again, which at which point they restart the one, and then you digivolve them again after that to unlock like one of their final forms. Um, it is so tedious, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea what that game was. I always, because of the name, I just thought it was kind of like a Phoenix Wright, Ace Attorney type of game. You are, you are a detective, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's more like your uh, detective Pokemon trait, but with uh, Digimon that take on forms that Pokemon probably shouldn't, like clowns and pieces of wood. Yeah, I mean, like I said, that Digimon I like has guns for fingers. They would never do that in Pokemon. Yeah, you know, Pokemon doesn't like guns. I mean, like, one of my favorite Digimon, they have missiles. I, I mean, I want to see about a, a fucking Pokemon that gives me missiles. Actually, there is. Never mind, guys. In the latest season in, in Sword and Shield, they added a dragon Pokemon that shoots missiles that are little miniature versions of itself. Oh, yeah, it's yeah that's right. Yeah, they do. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah it took them. It t- took them until this generation, 20, what is it, 2018 that they came out? 2019? 
finally, finally firearms and violence in our Pokemon. Give yeah. me more. And why did it take them that long to give, give Digimon weapons like guns and missiles? I think Japan's just a little bit sensitive about missiles and bombs and that kind of thing. Understandably so. <laughs> why did I laugh? That's not funny. That's horrible. Well, I mean, like, there's plenty of games that <laughs> Josh, like, go no, the complete opposite direction. Yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> Metal Gear Solid was just all about missiles and giant robots and the end of the world. Mm-hmm. Or, well, keep, just keep in mind, like, Pokemon's supposed to be a kid's game. Like, That's fair. The, yeah, so, I mean, who knows what their their reasons are. All we know, all we know is that they keep they don't they don't they, they rarely innovate and they like to take away I like to add features and take away features all the damn time. Well, now that we've uh, mega about, evolutions, come on! We've Which got guns and Digimon and missiles and Pokemon, but what will Temtem have? Actually, Pokemon Temtem? in one of its seasons, I think it was black and white. They had a rare moment of self awareness where, in the story, they're basically like, "Hey, you know, like basically these these animals are slaves." Is it okay to have slaves? Right. <laughs> <There> <laughs> <is>. <laughs> I'm trying to think of all the so far the the Temtem I've met in that game so far. None, I don't remember, and none of them have guns. They could be really edgy and have a Temtem that's like a used condom. Oh, that's true. Like, this game can <laughs> this game actually can have something like it's possible to have something like that. It is possible. Mm-hmm. Um, the only weapon I the only the only Temtem I can think of right now that holds a weapon is uh, it's called Cypat. It's like a, it's like a, a, like a platypus that stands on his hind legs, and it has a turtle shell on his head, and he carries oh, a sigh. I I saw that one. He carries a sigh. I think that's the only one I can think of right now. That seems like a different take on Psyduck. It, he's actually a badass version of Psyduck before he go until of course Psyduck turn, turn, uh, evolves into uh, <laughs> right until he like did evolve until he evolves into uh, Golduck. All right. Well. Is it my turn now? You got it any more to turn. say, Fasil? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, that was it. I'm thoroughly done. Okay, well, um, I guess we'll move on to what I've been playing. And um, the first game I wanted to bring up is probably the biggest news of the week, aside from Game Awards. Um, but I did get Cyberpunk 2077 mm-hmm. on launch, um, and that's been a, a big deal <laughs> because uh, um, basically a CD Projekt Red has let reviewers come out with their reviews, but hasn't been letting them use their own footage. And the only version they've been able to play is a PC version. Um, that was earlier so in the week, yeah. I feel like I've seen nothing but promotional footage and seeing that in reviews too. It was like, I didn't even know what the game was going to look like when I played it. Mm-hmm. So it was a little bit of a surprise to me. Um, I was very excited about this game and I know we've talked about it before that I was kind of thinking, oh, what if they like really shit the bed? Is that what you say? I don't know. Not close enough. They kind of did, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I think they could have really benefited from <laughs> delaying it again, but the, it, something happened where they maybe W game WB games wouldn't let them do that. Or was like, you better release this game right now. It's a cash cow, uh, which it kind of was. Uh, it sold 8 million copies in just pre-orders alone. I can Even confirm. Though, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, I can confirm <clears throat> There's a ton of bugs. <laughs> uh, on, I've had the game crash on me twice just today. I'm about ten hours in. Um, one of the one of the glitches that I saw today was actually something that happened to somebody else online, where you're fighting enemies that are coming in through an elevator, and um, there's an NPC that's stuck in the elevator, 
who just like is teleporting all around the room and ends up back in the elevator. Like they they don't come out and they teleport across the room and go back in there. And it's just like happening constantly. Um, the big bug I get is a lot of NPCs suffering from epilepsy, which <laughs> I, <laughs> their, their character models just twitch like crazy. Um, it's happened. It happens all the time. Um, but I heard that they fixed that with the 1.4 update that came out today. Can confirm I played it after the update and it was still happening. So that's a flat out lie. Um, I saw, I was in an apartment building and I saw an NPC just rise off the floor and float up into the ceiling and disappear. <laughs> I've seen NPCs being thrown around, cars just constantly clipping into each other. Um, and like I said, two crashes, which <laughs> I've only been playing this game for like about a day. Uh, a day and a half. So you know, it's yeah. actually it's actually bug wise, it's apparently considerably worse for PS4 users. It's yeah. uh, it's almost unplayable on the last uh, gen consoles. Yeah. Let it be known that I'm playing this on my PlayStation Five. Thank goodness, it loads really fast. Luckily, but I saw gameplay of the PlayStation Four version where textures just don't load, or they take twenty seconds to load, or it's it runs at 780 or 740 and 15 frames per second. It's ridiculous. Um, <laughs> I'm just so <laughs> glad I'm playing it on the PlayStation 5 because it does look like it's pretty much unplayable for the system it was basically made on. <laughs> I see Product Red. He literally said that uh, I think he, what was that? Some publication asked him, "Will this game be playable on the old you know, on the uh, last gen consoles?" And they said, "Absolutely, it will be." This was like two months before it got released, and then. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then, of course, you know, people are playing it on the PS4 and the Xbox Series X, and the people look like clouds or <laughs> clouds and PlayStation uh, One <laughs> graphics. <laughs> yeah, I, just, I think it's just but, like yeah. I don't know. I, I just I, I just feel suspicious sometimes because I feel like even though I'm not this type of person, there's sometimes this conspiracy fad gets to me because I think like you know. I wonder if there's like any water to maybe just you know them intentionally not really making uh, the, the the last gen versions a priority in order to kind of like try to put more pressure in this transition from PS4 to PS5. I actually so, think that those versions were a priority, and they mm -hmm. they just didn't have enough time to really get all the bugs fixed like they wanted to. Um, I think that's why they delayed it the last time too, is they specifically mentioned that they're trying to get it ready for the current gen consoles. I think that it's just less problems on the next gen consoles because there's so much more room for the performance to just run a little easier. But that's also not to, not to forget to mention that, you know, the version you're playing on the PS five is still the PS four version. Exactly. The next gen version doesn't even come out until next year. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's, it's weird, like we're in a weird situation because CD Projekt Red is loved, but because of the current state of the game, um, they are playing damage, they're, they're doing damage control right now. I mean, they made plenty of money, so good for them right. on that, but they mm -hmm. are doing a lot of damage control right now. People are pissed. Mm -hmm. um, uh, despite all the bugs and crashes I've talked about, I love this game. I'm having a great time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my my best friend, best friend, my best friend's also playing. He's playing on. He's playing on a. Um... Uh, so sorry, my best friend, yeah, my best friend is playing on a uh, mid to high tier PC, and okay. he's also experiencing plenty of bugs. Um, but he had he's still enjoying the game. 
I know me personally looking at it and looking actually y'all, if you guys want a really good review for this game, uh, check out skill up skill ups review is insanely good. Um, if, if when we're talking about, I was talking about what objective being objective is in a video game. He's a good example of being objective as a give you as a reviewer for games. He's not always like this, but in this particular review of this particular game, I think he's spot on for what he's been talking about. Well, Fabrice, uh, um, you told me that your brother's actually playing on a PlayStation Four, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he was pretty upset about it. Wants his money back. He called it the biggest scam of the century. It's salt I like. Okay. I know you really wanted to play it, Fabrice. Are you still interested with what this has, what the reviews have been saying and just the news? Well, about I'm it? not going to play it on the PS4. That's not going to happen, but yeah. <laughs> 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 I've seen you play it on the PS5. I think it looks beautiful. I think glitches uh, add a kind of like comedic relief to some games and i, I kind of like glitches but not to the extent of how they've been doing with ps4 but on the ps5 i don't mind a glitch here and there but yeah i'm gonna, wait. Think, I'm gonna personally, wait i think i would have enjoyed it if i had a ps5 at this point if i get my hands on one i think i would have enjoyed it because mm-hmm. you know it's just like like when i really like fallout 3 and after a while the the bugs started just become part of the trend. Yeah. i mean as long as like like I said with that guy where I was just like walking around and there was just a guy who uh, for no reason just rose off the floor and into the ceiling. I was laughing so hard. I thought it was so funny. And even that elevator glitch that happened with the NPC, I killed him and he died. And this is a common glitch I didn't mention too, but when you kill people, I don't know what why this happens to every NPC, but if they're laying on their back, some invisible hand grabs them by the chest and lifts them up and then throws them so that they're face down. It happens so often where I just, yeah. there's just like a dead person on the ground. And I walk by them and they like rise from the dead and then lay face down. It's and a ghost <laughs> of the machine. It happened with, uh, there was like a story, uh, some story happening in the elevator when there was a dead guy in there. And we're talking and like there's blood and it's sad. And the NPC just like rose off the ground in between us and then laid back down. <laughs> and then his left foot went up in the air and it was just like, <laughs> 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 so, yeah it might take you out of the mood but it's video games and the glitches are kind of funny there's uh, one way to look at it too is that you know whenever you whenever you see a game that's going to be ambitious and, it's, and if it is an open world game for instance and it's supposed to combine a lot of different elements from many games that we love which cyberpunk does do um expect it to not be a perfect game I mean, no such thing as perfect games expect it to have bugs but but because but think about it this way though too like if you're in, informed when it comes to games i would say there's never going to be, there's never a reason for a well-respected studio to have these type of issues. True, but I mean, I think that kind of brings up another, like, issue that I see in general with gaming. Okay. Um, I, I kind of feel like, I mean, I understand that, you know, we should strive to have, you know, like, a, you know, reasonable standards for all the games that we get, but to an extent, like, catastrophic failures aside, uh, I just kind of feel like there's, there's some extent to which we're, like, I just... You know, we're like a little too judgy with games. Like, yeah. a game can be like a seven out of ten, still be a fun game. You know, mm-hmm. like not every game that comes in has to be this like genre-defying masterpiece. We um, preach it. I mean, it's subjective. I think as like, a consumer and you're spending money, I think you have every right to be judgy. Yeah, but, but but here's what I'm saying. I think it's also just like the nature of art because you know I think this is where I disagree with you on the objective front because 
the, the core ethos of a game, um, I don't think can be just purely boiled down to its like component parts, like that these set of like measurable things that you can judge a game on. So like true, those things like influence your experience, but the overall like structure and art of the game itself is what drives you to play it, I think. And I feel like in that context, you know, there's a lot of games that, you know, they kind of like go to the wayside because they're not judged on the standards of like the 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 creator's intentions. Like if I was playing, you know, like something like you know, uh, Gone or uh, Edith Finch, uh, I wouldn't be like playing a game and being like, you know, I, I'm not really like, I don't think the game controls are very tight in this game. It's not something I enjoy. But that wasn't like the intention of the game going into it in the first place. Or like Premonition. That game was shit, but it was so fun. It Deadly Premonition? Fun. Deadly Premonition, yeah. It's just, its controls were terrible, its graphics were terrible, its pacing was awkward and awful, but um, I just think that, uh, you know, the pristine polish to a game isn't all that that, that uh, defines its quality. Because if that was the case, I think, like, a combination of, like, um, updating Call of Duty games and Nintendo games would be the best games that you can get. I don't think it's necessarily true. I can't have Deadly Premonition be brought up and not mention, um... I don't want to... It's it's a you know what where it's a huge side tangent, but think about it this way being objective when you can be objective in a conversation, you can be objective in any situation, and the idea of being objective is you being able to see from every point I was trying to be able to see multiple points of views. So I think that's but that's like I don't think that's even then if that's the case because well how about this you know there's there's a rich field of psychology that disagrees with you. Like objectivity okay. is not something that, I mean, you can get close, like you can have a structure, a consistent structure for judging games. Mm. But objectivity is something that just says like, it's it, this is like based on pure fact. Like you, you can't like distill down an inherently subjective experience of an inherently subjective genre into like something objective. Objective, okay. is, like, objective is science. Okay. This Honestly, is like, like Honestly, like I watch a lot of IGN's reviews just because they they have such a big uh, group of people that work for them that they're able to review most of the games that come out. Uh-huh. So I watch their reviews; they're really timely about them too. Just to get the information, I don't really take their um, opinions seriously because reviews, um, as great as it is to be as objective as you possibly can, they're always going to be subjective. Game of the years are always subjective. It's they're none of these are official. Um, I mean, cognitive bias is just like uh, is just like an inherent thing about like human psychology. Yeah, even like a particular like hard, like like Yale and Harvard psychologists got together to make this study on all cognitive biases that humans have when they're trying to judge any piece of information. And you know, the the funny thing is, in science, you have to be peer reviewed and critiqued like hell by your fears to get to something that's close to objectivity. And even in their study that was so extensive and took so much time to put together, their very own study fell victim to the exact cognitive biases that they were trying to objectively upstate, you know? So I this think is fan- like, This is fantastic, but we've gone so far. <laughs> we have. <laughs> I don't know, I think, I, think, I think there's just like games, I think like games shouldn't be like, just judged on like one set of like parameters. And I think oh, yeah, like, you can't yeah, you can't do that with video games at all, bro. You're right. You have I, just to think, get, yeah. I think it's just like, you know, everybody has a different take on it, and it's like mm-hmm. you're getting their take with their own particular spin on it. It's not like the standard. 
I just oh, don't. Yeah, I agree with that. I completely agree with what you're saying. Yeah. Anyway, back on the train, what I was going to ah. say about Cyberpunk 2077. <laughs> uh, yes, Choo Choo, indeed. Um, I just wanted to say, I, I said that I love the game because despite its glitches and crashes, because um, just real quick, uh, the city is so beautiful. It's huge. Uh, driving through it and looking at it, it doesn't even feel like this is reality. They did such a good job on Night City. Like, if anything, that's to be applauded, the city that they built. Um, you can just go and drive around or walk around and something's going to happen, uh, which is one of my favorite parts is coming across crimes that are happening because the police will reward will, will reward you for doing something about it. Uh, even seeing a shootout happen out of nowhere is really exciting. Um, I think it's really immersive. Um, the story's mm. pretty interesting, and I'm just looking forward to play, playing more of it. I'm definitely mm. going to play more later. Okay. Um, since we went on such a long side tangent, I had Sorry three more games. That, no, you're all good. Um, I have hey, three more future, games. Future, future topic. Maybe. Um, but I had three more games that I was going to talk about. Since we've gone so long already, I'm just going to like run through this really fast. I did want to bring up Soma this time because um, I was surprised to hear that Fasil played it uh, before. I I played this and I thought like Josh and Fasil, you both would love this game. Apparently, mm-hmm. Fasil already does. Um, it's, it's I'm so in- mm-hmm. yeah. I'm, it it made me so interested in frictional games because I tried their other series, the Amnesia series before, and it just didn't grab me. But I'm going back in there to try it again because Soma's just so interesting it's it's got this really cool story where you're in the future and when i first played it i thought i was in a space station but it turns out you're underwater so it gives <laughs> me like heavy like event horizon meets like dead space yeah meets exactly Bioshock kind that's, of feels. that's that's what drew me in you know mm-hmm. um there, there's no way you could predict where that story goes it's so crazy mm-hmm. and unique and i really liked it when you fight monsters it's it's one of those games kind of like outlast or um, amnesia basically where you can't fight back you just have to run um, and hide uh, a few times um, I would say those are the scariest parts in the games the game is more dreadful but not really horror until you're faced with a monster I did scream and jump a few times um, special shout out to the part where you're underwater um, at the bottom of the ocean and you have to follow these lights that lead you to the next facility and there's a light approaching you I walked towards that light. Bitch, it was a giant anglerfish. Yeah. That's, that's how it works in nature. That's how, na- that's how it works in nature. Uh, that's how they catch their prey. You yeah, see the, ooh, it's something shiny. What is it? Bitch, chomp, chomp. she was a giant anglerfish. And when I got close enough and my light shone on it and it was these big-ass teeth and this thing rushing at me, I screamed. I booked it. I didn't even know what direction I was supposed to go in. I'm, like, not trusting lights anymore. Bitch, that was great. It was one of my favorite parts. <laughs> I, in general, I agree with Frankie. There's there's an interesting bit of philosophy in that game. Sure, okay. A lot, a lot of good philosophy of mind stuff there. Um, yeah, the story, unique, intriguing. I really was pushing myself forward just to see what was happening next. Um, loved it. Chef's Kiss. I'm hoping to visit all of Frictional Games' um, other games yeah, no. uh, to bring up on the podcast. Uh, since last recording, I also did start and finish Resident Evil 3, the remake. Um, my thought is that it's not bad. It's not the best. (laughs) Uh, what I put was that I think it takes second place next to, uh, the previously released Resident Evil 2 remake. Um, 
just because like Resident Evil 2 remake, you get two characters to play as um, the mansion I, or the PlayStation is well designed, I feel like. And the surprise and randomness of Mr. X really keeps you on your feet and creates interesting experiences in that game. Whereas you only play as uh, Jill in Resident Evil 3, switching to Carlos once in a while, but it's not like you're playing two different stories like completely from their viewpoints. Mm. It's just a shorter game. Um, they tried to make Nemesis be the Mr. X of this game, but I think they kind of fucked it up because every time you, every time you fight <laughs> Nemesis, it's like a scripted event. So it's not it it loses that randomness and that scariness that Resident Evil Two had. Mm. So it just didn't uh, the game didn't really. I didn't really hate it. Yeah, I I didn't hate it. It didn't feel like the best effort they could have made to remake Resident Evil Three. But I will say that the part where you're trying to flip switches and the lights are all red and there's spiders everywhere was probably the scariest part of the game to me. I was screaming. I was running. Also, that part's stupid because when the spiders catch you, you get poisoned every fucking time. And there's tons of them and they're really fast. Um, I liked and hated that part. I think a part of it is also because, like, I think Resident Evil 3 isn't as much of a priority. I feel like they're just kind of juicing us up for before. And Resident Evil 2 remake felt more more close to a remake than this one did. This one kind of feels like they just completely made a new game and kind of brought over a little bit from Resident Evil 3. I didn't really feel like it was a remake, more so it was like maybe a reboot or something. Anyway, um I I would recommend people play Resident Evil 2 remake instead of this one just to get that out of the way. The last game I've been playing was The Pathless. Um, it's the newest game from Giant Squid, um, who recently, or previously made Abzu, and before that, the team was with um, that game company. That's literally, literally their name, that game company, who made Journey and Flower and Flow. Uh, <laughs> I really like it. Um, the You play as like a a woman who's trying to cleanse the land. You use a bow and arrow and you move really fast. You have the cutest little bird um, partner. And you're just, it's, it kind of reminds me of um, Breath of the Wild because of how big the world is and how you can navigate around it. You can't necessarily climb everything, but you could fly really high. You could basically do like a, I've built it up now where I could do a six way jump instead of like a double jump. It's literally six jumps that I could do now. You can glide anywhere and you just move really fast. It's really fun. Uh, but my worries about not wanting to play this game initially were that the trailers were, uh, they, all the environments just looked the same. And I kind of um, wasn't sure that there would be variety going forward in the game, that it would just kind of be the same kind of nature environments. Um, literally, my fears were not quelled. I'm in the area where I'm fighting the fourth boss. I'm about to fight the fourth boss. And the main difference of this area, as opposed to what I've seen from the Plains Hills, trees, and uh, decrepit ancient buildings before, is that this area is covered in snow. And that's the only difference I've really gotten from playing this game for like five hours now, being this close to the end. It is kind of a bummer because this company, I feel like they're known for really great art direction, um, interesting gameplay, but this game, I just wish there was a little bit more variety in the art direction um with that being said uh you guys ready to take a break and when we return we will talk about the game awards sure sounds good yeah all right guys i'll see you in a little bit all right 
salutations and welcome back all you witches wizards magical at heart and all-around gamers if you play a mobile game you're welcome shout out to the sorcerers shout out to the mages and the summoners What about, and, the, what about the geomancers and sorry <laughs> what about the necro oh god there's the it? blood mages that we want to include and the necrophagists is that Necromor- what yeah, no, is it? or necromorphers 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 oh. that's the next stage of power rangers we're yeah. gonna be here all day folks <laughs> <laughs> this week for our topic we decided to uh react to the game awards which just happened um Thursday, December 10th. Um, I think it was pretty hard to for me to watch it live because it happened at 5. And I work <laughs> Monday through Friday, like, till 5. So. Wasn't like three hours, three and a half hours? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so the, I, didn't, I don't think I saw the whole pre-show. I caught a little bit of it. Um, I wanted to ask you guys. I, I was listening to some other people react to the Game Awards, and they were talking about the opening performance being something about Persona 5 and that there was an actual live performance of You'll Never See It Coming, which I love the soundtrack to Persona 5. And I don't know how I missed that. I I think it was like the intro to the pre-show because it wasn't part of the main show, Mama. Did you guys see that? I honestly, I watched, I waited till after it aired. So I actually fast forward through all the musical performances and all this that stuff. That was the same for me. Out. I didn't yeah. fast forward through them, but I didn't see that musical, musical performance. For me, what I saw was that Okay, we're starting the Game Awards now, and then it went straight to Jeff Keighley. So I don't know where that musical musical performance was. I'm going to have to look it up on YouTube. Okay. Before we start talking about the Game Awards, I know we all have some hot takes, um, especially Josh and Fasil, who I don't think wanted to watch these awards in the first place. Uh, and I think you were discussing it a little bit amongst yourselves, too. So uh, tell me your hot takes, your main thoughts on the Game Awards. Did you guys really not want to watch it this year and what do you really think of that whole show so i have to the reason why i wasn't looking forward to the 2020 awards was purely um one particular game i don't even need to say what game that game is uh low two yeah yeah (laughs) so unfortunately yeah i i had this vague feeling that um that game was gonna dominate and i was not wrong (laughs) so (laughs) to add on top of that i kind of um I feel like this was such a really good year for video games that I wasn't even sure that The Last of Us Part Two would be sweeping the awards. I right. kind of, I kind of had hopes that um, it looked like Ghost of Tsushima was really had a really good chance of taking a lot of awards too, as well as Hades um, and Final Fantasy VII Remake. Uh, I can't even believe that those games came out in the same year. Uh, I was so excited for all of those. I mean. Hades only after playing it, but I was, how long have I been waiting for a Final Fantasy VII remake and dreams came true this year? Oh my we God. All, yeah, we all were waiting for it. 17 yeah. years or something? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, side topic, do you guys remember when uh, they, <laughs> they announced that Final Fantasy VII was coming to the new consoles, but it was just a port? And it, they kind of built <laughs> oh it up like, God. we're, go- we're going to remake it. They that wasn't even the first time they did it too because they. It's did still like a great movie. version to play. It's still a great version to play. But yeah. they teased us with a PlayStation Three tech demo of the opening of Final Fantasy. VII. I know that that <laughs> that actually upset me because I'm like, <laughs> like why like like just get out of here. Why you don't have to come in mm-hmm. here and blue ball me. Mm-hmm. Uh, back to the topic. Uh, my yeah. thoughts on the Game Awards is that um, maybe 
I'm not sure how unpopular or popular this opinion is, but I always look forward to the Game Awards. I really like them, and I get really excited by them. Uh, this year's show in particular was pretty underwhelming, but I kind of give them a pass because it's amazing that they were still able to put on the show despite COVID-19 being right. a world-changing event that happened this year. That changed the whole world right from February, right at the beginning of the year. But uh, yeah, I was still excited to watch it. Uh, what about you, Febris? How do you feel about the Game Awards, and uh, how do you feel about this year's show? Yeah, I always look forward towards watching the Game Awards. I think it's like a little fun celebration of games. Uh, I like the announcements that they have throughout the show. But Just I will mine. say this year, I was not, yeah, I wasn't, um, like you just said, I, I understand circumstances, so I wasn't really too thrilled or invested. Also, the the announcements were too, weren't too exciting, so like, whatever. It was a fun little, I guess, watch, but I wasn't like impressed mm-hmm. this year. But I do like the Game Awards. It's a, it's a nice little celebration. I like to be a part of it and to watch it. By the way, Josh, I did want to get back to something we talked about. Maybe it might have been recorded on the last episode, but uh, I did find out that the way that the winners are tabulated is that 90% of it is the board of journalists that they pick mm-hmm. and 10% of it is the fan vote. So it's kind of like our, you know, maybe this might be controversial too, but I kind of feel like us as fans really don't influence that vote at all. <laughs> so yeah. The first award I do want to bring up is the first one they announced though, was the player's voice award where they actually yes. let the players mm-hmm. pick the, their choice of game. And I was surprised by the result, uh, but pleasantly surprised because Ghost of Tsushima was the player's choice. And uh, yes. that's thank great. Um, All y'all gamers out there, thank you. That game definitely deserves Game of the Year. More recognition to Ghost of Tsushima. Um, if you have an HDR TV, you, your eyes will melt. It's so gorgeous. Um, beautiful, beautiful game. Uh, mm. Great story. Really fun. Thank you, Sucker Punch. Yeah, thank, yes, thank you very much. Thank you for bringing I, us that Western, Western Samurai. What, thank you for bringing that Western style Samurai story. It was fantastic. By um, the way, I don't know if I ever mentioned this, but Famitsu gave Ghost of Tsushima a perfect 100 out of 100. Yeah. Um, they never. Really for them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They, they've only given that score to maybe one or two other Western developed games. They usually give those kinds of scores to games made primarily in Japan. Mm. Um, which says a lot for the work that Sucker Punch did on Ghost of Tsushima. They did mm. great in giving an authentic uh, Japanese um, historical piece that could have easily offended Japanese people when they actually did such a good job that they loved it. Yeah, they praised it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Actually, I think one of the comments from like a big producer was, I am stunned that this game was not made in Japan. Mm-hmm. Did you guys play Ghost of Tsushima? Oh, heck yeah. Launch day. Played the hell out of it. Love that. Yeah, that game's a great game. Mm-hmm. Damn near damn near platinumed it. <laughs> so, yeah. I, yeah, I only got a little bit into it before controls murdered my PS4. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I, I kind of do want to go back to that game and platinum it, and I still haven't tried the multiplayer out. So. Nor have I. I've been waiting for you, Frankie. <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't mind going back to it. I think my PlayStation is really full up right now, so I'd have to make some hard choices to delete some things. Your PS5 is already full? Mm-hmm. 
Damn. Yeah, we actually went over our I... data limit on the internet because when I got the PlayStation 5, I was like, okay, I want this game on it and this game on it and this game on it. <laughs> Damn. Mine's not anywhere close to being full. So, okay, right on. We were lucky. <laughs> I actually even had to delete some stuff when the Cyberpunk uh, update came out. It sucked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway, I, I don't think we really wanted to touch so much on the awards. Um, so much mm-hmm. more as we wanted to talk about the actual event of having game reveals there. But I do have some quick, um, notable, I guess, just the big awards. Um, like Josh Manson mentioned, um, it kind of surprised me, but The Last of Us Part Two did end up sweeping a lot of the awards. Seven awards. Uh, some notable awards they won was uh, they got the Game of the Year award. Um, Again, over Final Fantasy VII Remake or Ghost of Tsushima. Over Ghost yeah. of Tsushima. <laughs> Seven's not finished yet. <laughs> so. Like, I loved... Don't get me wrong out there, everybody listening. I really fucking loved The Last of Us Part Two. But when I look back on the games I played this year, it's really hard for me to decide what my favorite game is that I played this year. And I still don't know. Because I, I fucking loved Final Fantasy VII Remake. I mean, I think that's the one that I had the... A struggle with picking myself and we're still going to do our own awards and i'm still gonna have to make that choice which terrifies me but moving on uh game direction again went to the last of us part two again over fun <laughs> anyway uh, poorly, that's managed, <laughs> poorly managed game god damn sorry 13 sentinels aegis rim which we did a spoiler cast of and uh josh and i fucking love was nominated get for narrative. one award get it. best narrative actually went to the last of us part two um, yet again, uh, score and music actually went to Final Fantasy VII Remake, which was yes. highly deserved. Yes, um, uh, that, that soundtrack is like four discs long, I think, and they're still releasing an expansion. And this, it, oh wow, one of the best soundtracks I've ever insanely heard. insanely good. Yeah, so so good. Um, I do think The Last of Us Part Two um, completely deserves this award. Uh, mm. Best performance went to Laura Bailey as Abby from The Last of Us Part Two. And God, her her uh, acceptance speech where she was kind of surprised and got really emotional. Good. I yeah. loved it. And yeah. she's actually who I voted for because making a character that starts the game off doing something so heinous that you fucking hate her, you mm. want to kill her. And then when you the game shifts, spoiler alert, and you have to play as her, you're like, fuck, I don't want to play this game anymore. I don't want to play as her. I fucking yeah. hate her. She does such a good performance that you just love her by the end of the game and you actually kind of love her more than the character you were playing as before is such a feat. Uh, Props to Laura Bailey. Fabrice, you're the only other one who played the uh, Last of Us Part 2. How do you feel about them winning so so many awards, but especially about Laura Bailey winning Best Performance? Oh, I'm glad she won. Like you just said, I fucking hated Abby so much. But for her performance to make us understand her and kind of like switch your perspective about her was fucking fantastic and this year there's a lot of great games i do agree with that but my heart of heart i i agree with a lot of the, the winnings that the last of us got so you were actually know. happy with the results yeah but again um no matter what wins or what doesn't win for the game awards i'm never like upset about it it's just, it's mm. just my opinion is that the last of us two deserve that win but like we said, this is all subjective. The Game Awards is a big show with a lot of judges on the panel, but it's not the definitive list. It's just some people's opinion. 
basically the journal the, jur- the journalists decide what the what the what the game, what game should get those awards yeah now uh there was an uh, award for games for impact i always love this award because it's games that are mm-hmm. basically working to make a better change for the future as far as like social um just social change for the better goes uh this year tell me why won that award yeah. um I definitely want to play that game. I don't have an Xbox, so I can't play it. It's a console exclusive, but it was the first uh, notable game to have uh, your protagonist be a trans character. And hearing that they did a good job uh, and won that award is great. And I, um, okay. what I've heard about the game is that they did a pretty good job with uh, representation there. So mm-hmm. shout out to Don't Nod and doing a good job for uh, the LGBTQ community. Mm-hmm. Best action game did go to Hades, which I completely so. agree with. Yeah. with. Uh, thank you for showing Hades some love. However, best action adventure game again went to The Last of Us Part Two. But uh, you know, maybe they deserved it. I I, I do want to go back to that game, but it's it's a difficult game for sure in many ways. Uh, the last award I was going to cover was best RPG, which. Thankfully, they gave it to my Final Fantasy VII remake. Mm-hmm. Um, I fucking love that game. I don't know how many. Almost times gave it to The Last of Us, though. Yeah, best RPG, The Last of Us Part Two. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I saw like a, I saw a, a parody video on Twitter where they were like, "Best esports team goes to The Last of Us Part Two. <laughs> oh, best yeah. esports coach <laughs> goes to The Last of Us Part Two. <laughs> 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 uh, but yeah. Um, I don't know. I just don't really have... I'm neutral on it. I'm kind of happy that it won so many awards, but at the same time, I kind of wish some of my other games have gotten some love, too. Mm. And this might be controversial of me saying this. There's only one award I thought they de- they absolutely deserved. Only one. And that was... Uh, what was it? If I use the right word for it. Basically, um, oh, yeah, I- I innovation of accessibility. Well, you were arguing with me th- that last time. So, yeah, I knew you were going to bring that up. <laughs> So if you go back and listen, to I, what, you, I purposely you, didn't bring yeah. it up because uh, you're going to argue <laughs> well, with me. <laughs> no, no. So when you, uh, when you, so I, if you go back and listen to what you said, that's what my argument was for. Um, it was that I had asked the question of what would be the best gaming company for 2020. And you use that, you use accessibility from last was two as the reason why, it, why uh, Naughty Dog should get it. And that was my argument. No mama. If you listen, like you just asked me if I listened, I said, it depends on your criteria. Cause I, that is true. You did. I said, if if you were thinking of this as a criteria, then you could say Naughty Dog would win. I didn't necessarily say. Oh, good, good point. You did, you, you did say that. So you know, we're, we're both like, you know, we both, it's, I, I, either way, um, when it, I, I do recognize Last of Us 2 for being, I did take a look at all the accessibility features, hell. I think it's an argument can be made that if you were to use those features that were in, that they've added into the game for accessibility could make the actual gameplay better than what it is. I mean, I use some of those accessibility. Yeah. I'm not so. handicapped in any way, but yeah. they made the game a lot easier and better for me. It was like mm-hmm. the game really lets you um, dictate how you want your experience to be. Um, mm. And that goes for people who can't play games the same way that most people do. So mm-hmm. not only that, I thought that them putting so many options in there really made other companies step up and do the same type of thing. Because after that game came out, you saw a lot more... I think even Ghost of Tsushima and other games were starting to put more options as far as accessibility, and I hope it's a trend that continues. Absolutely, I mean, I, like, I'm I'm an accessibility advocate, so absolutely. So that's why I do think that's that they deserve that they deserve that award. Absolutely. Did you guys have any other awards that you had hot takes on? 
By the way, okay. you said I that do, was the. I do. I do actually. Real quick, couple. before I forget, you said that was the only award they deserved. No, I, the, Laura, I heard, no, no. I said personally, that's the only one I felt that they deserved. I'm Laura Bailey that. deserved her award too. Oh yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> she was an act, but she's an actress for a game, not the game itself. She was working. She was being recognized for a performance in that game. Anyway, so go ahead. Uh, yeah, <laughs> the uh, the other. So there was two other. Uh, two other uh, categories that got had a game brought up that maybe you guys might disagree with me or you might have a different idea about what I'm thinking about this. But um, some of the categories that they had were literally opening it up so you could choose games from previous years that came out. Like, for instance, um, best ongoing game went to No Man's Sky. Oh, my God. Yeah, when, when I saw that, I was like, what bullshit? No Man's Sky is a great <laughs> game. But anyway, No Man's Sky is, if you, play, if you played it from when it first came out to where it is now, it's come a long way. So That's I what give, I hear. I have to give Hello Games a shout out. Thanks for going, going back and doing your best to make this game what we, we, we are, were hoping it to be. It's still growing. They're still adding free content. What, you, what I've played so far of the game, I, I, I'm, I'm glad you guys are. I'm, it's a great game. Uh, you have to play. I think you have to play it. Uh, if you want to play it, but anyway. So, but there was a couple of categories that didn't leave. I, I was assuming that every game that was going to be kind of, um, you know, I talked about that would win awards would come out in the year 2020 because it's the 2020 Game Awards. And um, with the exception of maybe that particular category when it came to No Man's Sky, there were two categories that a game got that came out in 2018. Among Us. Among Us. I, I appreciate that it got big in 2020. So the hype is what made it so, so it gave it, you know, it raised its profile, but it, it doesn't change. I mean, when I think of it as 2020 awards, I feel like what the hell happened? <laughs> so, I, I completely agree. I don't think it should have been, um, it shouldn't have qualified for any awards this year. I mean, they could say like, you know, because of the time, if they were more creative with some of the categories they had chosen, they could have talked about games that, you know, made, made a category that, games that got more popular due to the current situation but like what if i was a judge for the game awards and i was like well i played soma this year so that should be a nominee for game of the year and then it was mm. well that's how it's going to work is that the pub the, the better not <laughs> well, they're gonna I mean the cool thing about this i would say one of the cool things about the journalists is that we do know that a lot of them, like particularly my favorite my favorite one is like game ranks they review a lot of games so i i can i feel like i can trust that they're going to nominate proper games for the list. But when I saw that between the Gamers, Gamers, Gamers Voice Award and also the Game Awards, and I saw Among Us being nominated, I'm like, what are you guys smoking? Because if you're smoking it and it's making you guys think that the years blur together, I want that stuff. Basile <laughs> so. can help you out with that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's, that, that's it. That was it. Like, that, to, me, that, to me, that was very, like, to me, it was kind of controversial because... Um, it just, it boggled my mind that you keep people, keep people and I'm, I'm sorry about talking to everybody, generalizing everybody, but it's weird that you, a game that came out in 2018, that when one categories for games that were, came out in 2020. Is that the controversy you teased before? No, the controversy I teased was um, a, a tweet that Neil Druckmann sent out about Last of Us 2 and uh, that he quickly took down. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and um, the, uh, what was it, the other one? Oh, it's the, it's going to be, I think it's gonna be, you're going to hear it a lot if you guys are on social media a lot. It's just the, the, the controversy surrounding um, the awards when it came to like The Last of Us 2. Um, what was the tweet that's that Neil? A, that's a thing. 
Yeah, so one of the, now this might not be, a lot of people may not agree with this, but a lot of people feel that the Game Awards was fixed. But it's pretty, I think it's common for like, if you get the when general populace is like, we didn't get what we wanted, so we're going to say whatever the hell we want to, to make us may feel better about it. Um, no, I was, um, because after you'd made that tease, I kind of went and did my research and I was looking at Game Awards controversy, which a lot of it was last year's show that I saw articles for. Now that I look at it again, the controversy is mainly that The Last of Us Part Two won so many awards. Mm, um, that's a but, big one. Yeah. But even before that, before the awards happened, the only controversy I saw for this year was people saying, why didn't this get nominated? Or why didn't that get nominated? <laughs> Which is like not a controversy. It's not a controversy. No, it's not a controversy. Yeah, that's, that, that's the controversy that I was teasing, was teasing about. So it's... Because um, the controversy for me is that... 13 Sentinels Aegis Rim should have been nominated for more things. Oh, I see. <laughs> yeah, actually, that's interesting. We talk about 13 Sentinels. Uh, you know, when they got nominated for narrative, I was like, that's fantastic. It, it does deserve to be nominated for that category. Um, but when I knew, but I, I thought about RPG, too, like, strategy, soundtrack? Uh, not, not necessarily RPG. Not, no, I, I don't think Not strategy, qualified. actually. Yeah, not strategy. Not well, the, the battles kind of are a form of strategy, but. Uh, They're fun. Yeah. They're fun, yeah. They're, they're well, pretty well, easy. They're when I think like... about, well, they're not. It depends. If you know what you're doing, they're easy. But anyway, so, mm-hmm. uh, I would say that I'm glad that it got recognition in, some, in something, but it doesn't change the fact that it's an insanely niche game that I think that one of the reasons why it probably didn't get a lot of, did, I mean, it didn't get a lot of press, I don't think. Um, no, it really didn't. So um, I felt like it, 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 was put in with, it was put in with games that are giants. And I knew that it wasn't going to win. But I mean, from, the fact that I even heard about the game to play it, I heard about it from a pretty small journal mm, journalist company called Checkpoint. I'm always checking this. Every day that I jump on PlayStation, usually the first thing I do is go to the store to see what's going on, on the PlayStation store to see what's going on. Mm-hmm. So that's how, and that's how I knew about Aegis Rim. I was looking at it like, what is that? It's a new game. What the heck is that? <laughs> so, <laughs> and I was like, good God, I'm glad I got it. <laughs> Well, Fasil, yeah. you've been pretty quiet. Did you uh, did you have any uh, awards that kind of surprised you, or something I didn't bring up? The awards really didn't surprise me. I think like like my exact reasons for not really wanting to watch the game awards like, were just kind of like you know validated. Like I don't think like they're inherently bad. It's just that you know it just seems like boring. You know, like uh, like I guess I was telling Josh a little bit earlier um, during the break. Like in the comparison with like the music awards, like if uh, certain artists that have a lot of hype around, you know, distinct from the actual quality of their music, put out a highly anticipated album, you know, it, it's probably and, and it's good. It, it's going to be like received well because of whether because you know the product that was introduced matched both the hype and the narrative around the hype. So if like you know some huge artist that doesn't put out albums very often did that they would end up like sweeping like these wards which everybody already thought was going to happen so i think that was like kind of the equivalent with like last of us part two it's not like that it, that it wasn't really like a game that deserved that didn't deserve what it got it's just that it's exactly what you expect to happen and that's despite the fact that there were like a lot of other games that were uh arguably as competitive for uh for some of those categories so you know i still think it was good but it was just like it's kind of dull um I mean, that's kind of like, uh, I agree with you on that point, because like I said, I totally loved The Last of Us Part Two, and I'm a total advocate for that game, but 
I thought this was such a good year of games that I wasn't necessarily expecting it to sweep the awards. So when awards would happen every time the last of us was nominated, hearing that they won, it was kind of like, Oh, they won that too. And that too. And that too. (laughs) There was just so much, there was so much press surrounding that game. That's why, that's why I knew it was going to win so many awards. There just wasn't any surprise, you know, it just felt like not to say it wasn't deserved. I just kind of, what but, would have liked uh, the little guys or some of the other guys to surprise us and get some accolades. But I think a part of it is the press, you know, because I'd say like, you know, Final Fantasy VII, um, especially with Final Fantasy fans, it's like such a long, long anticipated game. But, mm-hmm. you know, it, it had the tragedy of coming out when there were so many other huge anticipated, hotly anticipated titles coming out of the same. I think a lot of, I think a lot of journalists were kind of, um, kind of uh, had mixed feelings about the ending of that game, which honestly I kind of did too. But I think that might have been what it was. It's a downfall Mm, as opposed to falling short of The Last of Us Part 2 being nominated for the same things. Mm. I think just in general, like how intense The Last of Us is, you know, like it's going to be a game that's going to just be like a lightning rod for press attention for the better or the worse. Because around the time that it came out, there was also like a bunch of like think pieces talking about why, you know, certain aspects of it are bad or something. So I don't, you know, necessarily think that it doesn't deserve those awards, but, you know, it, it kept the public's attention so long, you know. Mm. And, it reason, like that, and it feels like that's like the barometer that we know to with selection. The reason I kind of expected there to be more surprises was that The Last of Us Part Two I don't think, was as perfectly received as the first one was. It felt like there was, like, a lot of discord and a lot of split uh, on what people thought about that game. Um, mm-hmm. Even with critics, even though it was like lauded with, um, again, Naughty Dog doing their thing and doing amazing narrative direction and acting, um, a lot of people still thought that, uh, what I'm going to call out what's good specifically and not in a bad way. I just love that they, they had a different opinion. Is that uh, the, some like pretty much half of the team hated that the game was so full of despair and dread and depression uh, and that they did it so well because they were kind of really affected by the depression and dread of already living in a year with COVID-19 and our current administration that they kind of see games as an an escape. And this was probably the last game they wanted to play at Mm, this time. Sure. I can see that. Actually, I mean, that's, that's actually why, because it's the opposite. That's why I appreciated it. It felt like it was a confrontation with a lot of, existing negative emotions mm-hmm. and i feel like you know like i think it's like in that sense like i feel like the last of us also got kind of robbed in, in a backwards kind of way i felt like in sweeping the awards it was like given a lot of praise by virtue of just the sheer amount of of, of press that it, that it generated rather than getting specifically lauded for you know, the, the, the very unique things that are brought to the table in the first place. Like, I think, like, a lot of these games didn't get uh, appreciated for what they brought because, it, you know, they were just... It, it felt like it was more about the, the how much everyone paid attention to them and all the things everybody had to say about them more than just the game itself. 
I mean, the reason why the game did so well, why it sold many, so many, why it sold so many copies, was because of the controversies. It was because um, how the embargo was with the with with uh, being able to release game reviews. Like people had to buy the game during the embargo to be able to find out what happened during the game. <laughs> so, and so it's. I mean, it was. Yes, people did like the game, but one of the reasons why like, I would say well, the prime, prime reason why it did so well is because of the controversy surrounding the game. I don't what are you talking about? Reason. The reviews came out yeah, know, before yeah. the game came out. Yeah, because I, I think like I think like the controversy like added to it, but like, mm. but, uh, like I think like given you know it's the same thing like with like Red Dead Redemption, like it, like this game has a lot of anticipation because of its beloved uh, initial predecessor, but I think like the press just like brought it to like a slightly more general audience. That game mm. was was going to sell out well no matter what. I don't really agree with you guys because the embargo definitely wrapped up before the game came out. Sony tends to let people release reviews before their games come out because I think they have pretty high confidence in their games. And I don't think a lot of reviewers talked about how polarizing the story would be. I think people were surprised when they played it. And I think it's that people are so devoted to the characters of the first game and really excited to see what the sequel was going to bring. And to really have everything um, be so polarizing at the very beginning of the game and uh, um, everybody finding that out together, uh, kind of upset and split off like 50% of uh, the gamers. And I don't right, know right. the critics' mm-hmm. fault. It was more that... But, but uh, given the nature, oh, yeah, definitely wasn't given the nature of how, yeah. wasn't given the nature how our media ecosystem works, though, mm-hmm. like, you know, there's always going to be like the third string. And by that, I mean like, you have like your your viewers' reactions, then you have your gamers' reactions who are devoted to this title gaming in general, and then you have like the general people that are like, "Why are these people all up in a fuss? I should mm-hmm. check this out." And I think like you know we disagree on the proportion of how of, of what that makes up in sales, but I think that is a part of the sales of it. it it's just like Ball Guys, like it, it's like a game that attracts a lot of attention because it's like a very fun game. But a part of its uh, uh, appeal is that the fact that it, it it has a bunch of people already on it just attracts more people from a general less gaming focused audience. Well, I thought it was interesting too because um, basically reviewers not really being able to warn people about how polarizing the story would be, and a lot of gamers just having the opinion of, well, it made me mad, and the things that I didn't want to happen happen so therefore i hate it um just valid yeah i guess i, I don't think so personally. i mean i for you, not to, for you not to like a story because something happened and you didn't like is not valid yeah definitely i think uh i yeah because naughty dog they're not trying to make a story that makes everybody happy they're just trying to mm-hmm. have artistic yeah, because, direction and tell a real story right because uh, darker i think like, than the one before mm-hmm. like a good story isn't isn't the same thing as fan service but what I was going to bring up was that Cyberpunk <laughs> being released now, everybody was warned. All the reviews, I can't even think of a review that didn't say, this game is full of bugs. You'll see bugs mm. all the time. All the mm. reviews said that, and then the game comes out and it's full of bugs, and people are like, what the fuck? It's like, that makes no sense to me, because I went in knowing that it was going to be buggy. I was mm. surprised how, at how buggy it was, because <laughs> I usually don't experience as many bugs as everybody else does, and seeing tons of bugs i was like well what did i expect i it seems like a lot of people are still reacting like well let's give it zeros on metacritic and let's go up in arms and let's attack cd project red i think part of it is like people feel like a fresh sense of betrayal 
There yeah. are other other games that that had similar rollouts and never actually got, 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 got their mm -hmm. shit together. So mm -hmm. everybody's like reacting because they're like, this should happen before with what's that game that shooter leader? Uh, Anthem. Anthem is like you know it's like uh, it's sort of like the Anthem robot. If you had like a recent experience where you're heavily invested in a hyped game that turned mm -hmm. out garbage. You know, if, I you think, sniff, if you sniff that same stuff, you're just going to like react. Well, fortunately, in the in regards to cyberpunk, it didn't. Uh, it, it it didn't. The criticism, It's not this. It's more. It's not getting the same uh, reception as Anthem did. Thankfully, but, but it's because there's substance there. It's still a good games. game. Yeah, the lowest I mean, score was a seven from GameSpot, I think, and they got a lot of hate for that too. And I think their score was valid. Right. So, I mean, the way, the way you look at it is just like, you know, think about CD Projekt Red in relation to other companies and look at their track history on top of what they said about the game and then look at the game that we got. And that's why people are giving flack to, they mean, they're getting praise and they're getting flack for it and it's justified on all fronts. Trust, when you bring it up that way, I do, I do forget that they weren't letting reviewers show their own footage. They had to only use the provided footage. So we couldn't even see what they were talking about. Actually, Nintendo was pulling some of that same kind of fuckery with Breath of the Wild mm -hmm. because um, whenever there would be any interviews that, that criticized it, for example, like with a lot of people not liking the, the feature about the weapons breaking, uh, Nintendo would, would suppress those reviews and uh, take away basically early access rates to people who wouldn't give them like a glowing review. Nintendo's so bad. They're kind of the worst at uh, <laughs> yeah. basically reviews or fixing their systems or anything like that. Granted, they give us really great games, but like their online is the worst. Mm -hmm. They're really set in their ways. They're not really doing anything to change it. We're so far off topic. Yes, we are. The last I'm glad thing, you, I'm glad you, <laughs> the last thing <laughs> I wanted to bring up, though, is that I'm glad you brought up that word betrayal because that's probably what people felt with The Last of Us Part Two and why it was so polarizing. Granted, they told a good story and it, it had a good artistic direction, but people just felt betrayed because but, 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 but I think their characters thrive and live and this was a sad, 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 sad story. <laughs> I get that, but I think it's like, it's sort of like, the reason I, I guess I say I don't think that's valid is because, you know, um, not, not getting like the wish fulfillment or the expectation of having a story is not the same thing as that story's quality being bad. You know, it's sort of like George R. R. Martin stories where like people like complain about characters dying, but the thing is, you know, in retrospect, within the structure of that story, that those characters dying isn't just like some dick move. It's like the natural consequence of the circumstances of that story. Like the story has like a, a story has like a life to it. And Speaking of George R. R. Martin, though, did you guys see that Elden Ring one most anticipated? Game yeah. at the Game Awards. We know nothing about that game, but yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> like we'll see. We'll there's see. three. There's three games that got it, that were announced and we or won an award or got announced that we know nothing about or know little to nothing about. I'm actually. Um, I mean, we didn't see much about it, but I'm excited for the Callisto Protocol. Yes. Oh yeah. Okay. Perfect segue. Uh, uh, there were a lot of reveals at the Game Awards. That's actually what I wanted to mainly cover about it. That's why I yeah. kind of briefly went over the uh, award winners, which actually turned into a spanning and sprawling discussion. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad we had it. <laughs> yeah. So, but uh, the, so first game, the, the first game I wanted to call out was um, it, it Takes Two. Did you guys, uh, do you guys remember that one? The, yeah, the game same guys that, that made that A Way Out. Yeah. yeah, that game looks really interesting. It does look fun. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. 
So yeah, it's that's Joseph Ferris who did it. He he's the one who did A Way Out and Brothers: A Tale of Wait, yeah, Brothers. I think it's what it's called. Brothers. Yeah. Oh my God! If to everybody out there, Brothers is so fucking good. Um, okay. Is everybody needs to play that. I forgot about um, that. Okay. It's a one-player game, but it does oh, have like no, it, <laughs> it. It fits. It fits with uh, A Way Out, and I think this game too, because you play as both brothers using one controller. Um, it's oh, an interesting. interesting uh, it's it's an interesting control scheme, uh, but it works, and okay. the story is amazing. Uh, I don't know what it is with Joseph Ferris, but he loves making these like co-op-y or two protagonist kind of stories. Mm. Um, Fabrice and I recently restarted A Way Out, and I just kind of forget how much I really like that game because he... We could be in the same place and I could see Fabrice go and start throwing baseballs. And I'm like, oh, I want to go do that. So I'll go pick up the bat and he can throw the baseballs to me. Or, you know, I'll go play darts and he can go play the guitar. And then out of nowhere, we're both trying to steer a raft down a cascading river or in a shootout together. That was great. Yeah, yeah, Mm -hmm. that game's really good. So Mm -hmm. just based on the games that came before, I am really excited for It Takes Two. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks different for sure. It looks like a little bit happier and more colorful and fantasy based. Oh, it time. looks like a lot of fun. It looks like a lot of fun. This is gonna be the net. It's gonna be like probably a highly anticipated game for my friend Travis and I to play together. Yeah, Fabrice and I are for sure gonna play that game. Um, but as fun and light as it looks, it still looks like it kind of has a mature theme, focusing on the mm-hmm. trials and tribulations of being in a long-term relationship, which yep, is a husband and a wife. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, me too. You guys notice that's like a thing now. I mean, like, not that I'm complaining because that's, that's my bread and butter. I love this kind of stuff, but it feels like, you know, we're getting less and less games that are non-serious, you know, even like, yeah. <laughs> even like, even like a simple puzzle game will be like, yes, this is about child abuse. I was going to say, I thought the trend recently was like kids and parenthood in games has been coming up a lot. Oh, yeah. You guys guys heard about that um, kid that was six years years old streaming Call of Duty, got banned from Twitch. Oh, did he threaten to fuck somebody's mom? No, it's just a term of service because it's a it's a uh, Call of Duty is rated teen and he's six years old. It's rated so, teen, not M. Is it? Is it rated, it's either rated M or rated teen. One of those two. Either way, it's a breach of service. That's why he was banned. I feel like all of those yeah. games are rated M. Same. <laughs> it probably is rated M. I, I don't. I, I, it's one of those games I'm probably going to be jumping into purely because of this podcast. But it's not my something. Not that I like anything that I like. But uh, I hate it. I yeah. Oh, I'm not a fan either. <laughs> I have friends that do play it. But anyway, I, uh, granted, I don't completely hate them. The campaigns are really good. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing about what happened with that kid, that six-year-old kid who got banned from breaching, uh, breaching, uh, breaching the con- terms of service for the game. It's actually so. If I recall correctly, with e- ESRB, yes, you need to be a certain age to buy the game, but your parents can say it can agree to let you play the game. So it's like a really weird gray area because uh, clearly, because in the stream you see the parents walk past. Hell, the parents actually walk up to him and say, "Hey, hey, son, um, it's time for you to go to bed. Sorry, you're going to get off." So he knows he's playing Call of Duty, but he gets banned because because of you know um, Activision saying he can't play because he's not at the right age to be able to play it. I mean, I don't really see anything wrong with that. He really shouldn't. No, be it. it's well. I mean, I, I, so it depends. I mean, personally, um, if if you are okay with your kid, now granted, you don't, we're we're not we're not parents ourselves, 
Um, if you are okay with your kid, you know, digesting certain content and you approve of it, it's, it's wrong for us to judge them. My dad let me rent Mortal Kombat, which I mentioned on an episode, but I wasn't mm-hmm. six years old. It was definitely right. like- but still, like I said, um, it's one thing to, it's one thing to look at, look at, look from the outside in, and it's one thing to be inside looking out. I guess um, you're, you're totally right. I can't judge uh, the fact that he's playing it. I just don't really see why people would want to watch that. I don't want to watch a six-year-old play Call of Duty. Apparently, people, well, people, a lot of people were watching him. They were enjoying him. <laughs> anyway. Good for them. And if you're here joining I mean, us on this episode, welcome. Um, like, let's let's, no let's really be honest, though. There's, there's worse things that people could be watching, you know? So Porn. Is it that bad? I said, I said <laughs> worse. I didn't say not entertaining. <laughs> like somebody could. But yeah, so but back to the awards. Back to the yeah. these games we're talking about. Yeah. But I kind of wanted to get your guys' hot takes and see if you thought anything about Crimson Desert. Because when I saw that game, I was kind of uh, impressed and drawn to it. All right. So this is what I got to say about it. Um, it reminded me of Conan Hyborian Age meets... Um, I've not heard of that game. Oh, well, it's just actually just the books. Uh, oh, uh, Conan the Barbarian. Yeah, Conan the Barbarian. Yeah, Conan the Barbarian. Did you say Barbarian? Are you saying somewhere like... Hyborian. Okay. <laughs> All right, anyway. Um, but yeah, it reminded me of Conan. Uh, Conan meets, uh, what was it? It's basically meets like... Uh, I thought it... Pretty much, yeah. It's it like, reminded me of uh, Dragon's Dogma. Okay. Oh, I didn't even see that. See yeah. That. Okay, but yeah, but my here's my thing though. As great as it looks, I do want to play this game. I am worried because of how big the game is. I I'm, I'm afraid that it's gonna come out with like, like kind of like how Cyberpunk came out, where it's just marred by marred by technical issues. Because it looks like a fantastic game, it's gonna have a lot of problems. I was gonna <laughs> say you could tell in the gameplay that it it got really laggy and the frame rate mm-hmm. dipped way low when there was a battle happening and I um, actually didn't like the, all the effects when that like went like all the effects when there, it was when the characters were fighting. I felt like you can't see anybody. <laughs> I was going to say like, I, I forgave it because they don't have a set release date. Um, good on them. They should not take note. Developers out there do not set a release date until you feel like you're ready. Like, even if it's like okay, I think we're ready. It's coming out a month from now. That's fine. But keep in mind, public. <laughs> like, keep in mind, publishers, investors, all that type of stuff. That's that place. Trust. Into, that Luckily, place this into. game is published and developed by the same company called yeah. Abyss, who I don't really know what they're from. Uh, but like I said, I I, I I I gave a pass to that because it's still in development and they're mm-hmm. not pushing. A it has a game. lot of potential. Oh, that's right. Because I actually there was a part in that trailer where it almost kind of looked like it was a. They went into like a like it's like a stergo from uh, Assassin's Creed, <laughs> like a futuristic type area. Oh, oh yeah, that the, those yeah. parts reminded me of Control. Okay, so that's the thing. Yeah, this game has like so many things. This game has so many things going on for it that I'm interested. But I do have, I feel like I have a healthy fear of what the game might be when we get it. So. Yeah, we haven't really explained what the game is, but like it, it's basically a fantasy action RPG that mm-hmm. looks like or claims to combine elements of narrative driven single player games with online multiplayer functionality, which excites me. It it kind of sounds like a dark souls uh, kind of thing where you're playing a single player game, but there's an online component. Oh, okay. So I want to see what that is. Uh, Here we got like dark souls meets dragon's dogma meets control. Sounds interesting. (laughs) Yeah, it does. Mm -hmm. Did you, 
are you excited for that game for seal? Um, I don't know. Like- I think like I, I guess I just I, st- I wasn't like a huge I, I think the gameplay looked interesting, but I wasn't a huge fan of the aesthetics because it just like, I guess I kept getting this like um, like almost like Assassin's Creed Odyssey slash Horizon Zero Dawn vibe to it. Mm. Um, so I mean, like I just I wasn't like a huge fan of it aesthetically, but I think like I want to see more of it. Like I'm reserving judgment until I can get more info. So okay. this is just like my first taste. I thought the graphics were pretty. I think that the mm-hmm. performance, they need to work on that for sure. <laughs> I mean, this is still like early stuff. It might look like a, it might look completely different and polished by the time it actually comes out. Yeah. Ebrice, did you have any thoughts on Crimson Desert? What did you think when we saw that? It looked nice. I mean, the performance they showed was a, a hot mess. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, I mean, I don't know. I probably won't play it. Or if, if it's like on sale, I will get it. But I'm not like on board with it. Okay. No, also, there's one thing. I'm not that. I'm not that big. I'm not that person who's like all about glitches and like upset about it. But one thing I do hate is when characters' hairs just like float in and out of their shoulders. And I saw that. Oh my god! Like I know like exactly clipping. what you're talking clipping. about. Yeah, clipping sucks. <laughs> or when like, characters I, are hanging upside down, but their hair doesn't hang upside down. <laughs> or you have a big ass sword on your back, and you can t- clearly tell it's stabbing their leg every single time they walk. <laughs> you know. You know, actually, with the hair thing, apparently having like realistically fun, the flowing air within there with air effects is incredibly expensive. Yeah, um, yeah, I think one, of the, I've heard. one of the Lara, one of the Lara Croft games has it. It's very rare that I've seen good hair in that game over there. <laughs> I actually think that good hair is start- nobody else. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's going to start to be a bigger thing because. Uh, like more and more games are getting ray tracing support, um, which is probably going to do like a lot of the heavy lifting for for mm. some of those like textures. Well, keep in mind the PS5 doesn't. So the PS5 is supposed to be able to support ray tracing, but right now there it is, doesn't actually support ray tracing. It has yet to be uh, update. We're still waiting for an update to implement ray tracing on the PS5. What are you talking sense. about? They have ray tracing in Spider-Man Miles Morales. Oh, I could have sworn that the ray tracing wasn't the thing in PS5. I thought I thought there was a, a literally an update. A update. We're still waiting for a ray tracing. No, it's totally in Miles Morales. I'll look. I'll look into but it to make sure. Okay. But but even it's just that it's not like like ray tracing is just anticipated to be a bigger thing. But yeah, it, it hasn't like proliferated all games like yet. It's yeah because when ray tracing when people first started talking about it, uh, it was like. I don't understand what this is at all. Like it, it was a big deal and everybody was talking about it, but I, I even watched a ton of videos explaining what it was and I couldn't really grasp my head around what it meant until I saw um, Atomic Heart, which uh, everybody out there listening should go look up. Um, oh yeah. Great game that's coming out soon or at oh some time gosh. in the future. Um, they did a ray tracing video too. And that's kind of where I first started understanding because um, it was like a tech demo they showed this room that was full of mirrors and glass and they showed what it looked like without ray tracing. And when they turned it on, it mm. showed like all the reflection effects and how light bounces off of things. And that's kind of, um, that helped me understand what it was. And for sure, like guaranteed Spider-Man miles Morales has ray tracing because it was the first thing I noticed. And it, that's, that was what made next gen a real mind explosion for me anyway. Okay. Moving on, <laughs> I, I uh, wanted to touch on Back for Blood. I don't know if you guys care about Left for Dead. No, this is one game I definitely like, don't even care about at all. Yeah. Did, 
Do you hate that game? Those games? I uh, know I left for it a lot. Um, when I uh, it just didn't look. That's not a game that I think. Uh, it's, it's not a game that I'm going to be playing. Uh, what about you guys, uh, Fabrice Facile? You ever played Left 4 Dead? I mean, I played Left 4 Dead, nope. but it, I, I mean, I, I think it's a good game, but it's just, you know. Oh, nobody cares. <laughs> it doesn't irk my jerkle. Yeah, my first initial reaction was great. Another fucking zombie game. <laughs> Honestly, that, that, that was my same thought. When the trailer started and it was zombies, I was like, oh, God, what is this? Don't they realize that zombies are overdone? But then yeah, when so. I found out it was Back for Blood, I was kind of excited. Granted, I've never owned Left 4 Dead. I've just played it with uh, my friends. I don't even know if there's like a one-player way to play it. But it's one of the funnest... Oh, well, I mean, you can. It's, just, it's just like the computers, the AIs are just morons. So. Yeah. Oh, so that seems like it's just not even the point of the game then. Yeah, I think it's definitely a multiplayer. It's a multiplayer game. I definitely looked at it and I was like, hmm, is this a, is this a game that I would play with my friends? And I realized, that's when I realized that, no, this is a game that I probably will not play with my friends. Yeah. It's a game I want to play with my friends because uh, mm-hmm. I just remember having so much fun with it and you really have to coordinate and work together because mm-hmm. it's not an easy game. Yeah, Left 4 Dead's fun. I, I like that game. I played it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did play that game. But I don't know, for some reason, when I was looking at uh, Left uh, uh, what, Blood for uh, whatever it's called. Um, Back for Blood. <laughs> Back for Blood. I just doesn't, it, didn't seem, it didn't seem interesting. All of the other multiplayer games that I could be playing, it just didn't seem very interesting. I don't know why I'm so interested in this because you're right. It's not really my cup of tea. It's definitely not a game for Frankie, but I am excited to just try it out and play it with friends because, like I said, it's it's just it was really fun playing it back then. Um, no, if it goes on sale, I'll get it, man. I'll play it with you <laughs> when, it, when it comes out finally. <laughs> I think it might just be like the pandemic, the pandemic itis talking. But at this point, if I'm like, if there's like a bunch of zombies. It doesn't feel realistic to me if like people aren't running at the zombies, getting bitten by them while screaming zombies are real. The people run at zombies when they don't have. This isn't the Last of Us Part Two, you know. <laughs> it just uh, it just seems like dumb fun to me. I'm, I'm not going there for my stories and my uh, single player story experience. It just it just looks fun, fun with friends, and um, that's basically what excited me about it. It's just a better version of Left for Dead. And I'm willing to give it a shot. And if you guys aren't willing, I'm sure I could find somebody out there who's going to play it with me. <laughs> He'll find somebody to play with me. Yeah, yeah. I'm still waiting to play um, Ghost of Tsushima with you, my friend. When we play Ghost of Tsushima, I'll be more considerate, of, or I'll be, I'll be more open to playing other multiplayer games. <laughs> I do want to go back to Ghost of Tsushima, but we're probably more likely to play Temtem together because I hope so. Going back to I that. hope so. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, these games I didn't take too much notes on, but um, did anybody notice that new game from Annapurna coming out called Open Roads? Yeah, it looks interesting. Uh, it's it's one of those games I'm probably not I'm probably not going to play, but it does look interesting. It seems more like a Fabrice type of game. Really? Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Because it just kind of looks like a story driven, like intimate experience, and the art style I really really loved it. It looked like those characters were being drawn, like from a disney movie or something like literally drawn uh if the if the graphics look like that i'm even more excited i have no idea what the game it didn't is. seem like it was like it didn't know. seem like it was pushing graphics too much so it could very well look like that like on the ps5 and on the series x definitely yeah. on pc yeah it's like 3d environments but like cell shaded hand-drawn mm-hmm. graphics I, mm-hmm. uh it's amazing that the that there are games like that now like even Going back to Cuphead, that game is so gorgeous. I, I love hand-drawn looking 
kind of style. Um, mm. And it's great to see the, that graphics are being pushed further to make those kind of games look even better. Mm. There's actually uh, a game, uh, I don't remember what it was called. I don't think it was, it was revealed. It wasn't revealed at the Game Awards, it was revealed earlier. It was like this game where you didn't actually, there was no combat in it. It's very, very colorful and like same animals and whatnot. I don't know. What was that game called? I think it's on the Xbox. I mean, I think you know what you're talking about, but I think there is combat in the game you're talking about. Um, Tam Tam. Not Tam Tam. It's something <laughs> about, uh, I can't, I'll have to pull out my, one of my old lists, but yeah, no, I know the it color, is. Yeah, the color palette actually reminded me of Tam Tam. I, th- I thought about this game when you guys mentioned Tam Tam, but it's yeah. a completely different game. Completely yeah. different mechanics. Yeah, okay, but I, think, I can't remember what, what, what it's called, but I do know what you're talking about. Another game that kind of has like a hand-drawn kind of style too was Season. I think Fabrice was excited for that one too. Mm-hmm. I'm probably, I'm that, probably that the only like one. Fabrice kind of game to me. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Like, actually, that's, probably, like, that's probably the most exciting thing that I saw during the game. Really? Movie. Really? Yeah. Okay. Why's that? Again, aesthetic, music. It's probably going to be like a terrible game. I don't know. But, no, uh, no, no. Are you... <laughs> it's, also like, it's also like mostly narrative focused as well. Fabrice, are you you're looking forward to Shadow and Me? Which one was that? I guess I can't really explain it. It looked like a, it kind of reminded me of what I've seen for Little Nightmares. Uh, you you have a you're like a character, it's a platforming character, but you also you have, you also, you also play with your shadow. Also, as a part of it too, you, that while you're platforming as you as the character, your shadow is also platforming too. Why can't I remember that? It sounds oh, familiar. Is, the, but... is it the? Is it, I don't know what you're I don't talking about. Remember that either. <laughs> let's, look, let's, look, let's look it up. <laughs> let's look it up. <laughs> Yeah. Well, anyway, I, I would say, um, based on the games that you like to play, Fabrice, I would say when you get a chance to take, take, take a look at Shadow and Me, because I think it might be right up your alley, at least yeah. from what I saw. So, Well, we'll have to do that right after we wrap up recording, because I mm. don't remember that yeah, at all either. Mm. What about, um, one of the more exciting announcements for me personally was uh, the Callisto protocol, which I Same. think you brought mm-hmm. up. For that was interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think uh, like w- what especially got me excited about this, I mean, obviously it looks great, but it's also uh, the game studio that's developing it is headed by one of the former developers of Dead Space. The yes. creator of Dead Space. Yep. Yeah. That's why I might, I might look into it because of how much I like Dead Space. Yeah. Oh, I've been craving a sequel to Dead Space, and when Visceral Studios got shut down, they weren't even making any more Dead Space games for a while, but then having that dream being like Dash. really killed uh-huh. was so heartbreaking. The, there's, um, the last thing I think they did for Dead Space was the DLC for Dead Space 3, which is really good. I don't think oh, yeah. they played it. And, and I think the thing is, it's like I actually did not like the ending of, the, of Dead Space 3 itself, me neither. And I, and I thought, like, this is, like, trash. And then it's, like, once the, when the DLC came out, it's like, oh, no, no, this game, just, it, it just went up. The DLC, yeah, the DLC was really good and gave the game a new ending. A fucking mm. cliffhanger ending, though. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, and it's, like, the, 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 because I think it's, like, it was such, it was such an open end for, like, a really good game. But I, I do like the ending that they went with, even if it was open-ended, I think it's the one that next they were setting up, like, if they possibly did make a Dead Space 4, they were setting up a really incredible game. Yeah, well yeah. About it. Like, this is, and I think it's, like, this is, like, horror on a, on a scale that you're not used to, because usually when you have a horror game, it's down to, like, the very personal sense of horror and isolation. Mm-hmm. But um, we I don't think, know like, for this game yet. Yeah. yeah, I really, really, like, it's a real attempt at cosmic scale horror. 
like a spiritual like predecessor or not predecessor like a spiritual successor successor yeah i think <laughs> exactly. you're i think you're right in that yeah, i think we should definitely i think our channel should definitely pay attention to that game yeah oh trust mama yeah yeah yeah, yeah it's one like, of this like right now it's just like it's that and it's on the cards that i'm waiting for did you hear that this is supposed to be canonically taking place in the PUBG universe, though? What? Oh, Isn't that, that sounds, weird? That sounds, is really weird. Sounds lame, <laughs> but okay. All right. Okay. I still don't completely understand it, but it's like hundreds of years in the future, but it's supposed to be the same world as PUBG. Well, I guess it makes sense for you. To, you can, yeah, it's easy to do that. You can always do that with like anything. Like This game takes place in this universe, but it takes place either millions of years before, millions of years later, so it doesn't have to relate to the game at all, but we can say yeah. it does. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It feels, yeah. like it's a, it feels like it's a nice way of just saying, yep, all you guys in PUBG, you fucked up. <laughs> you fucked up and you're all long dead, so your characters don't matter. <laughs> Check out my new game. It takes place 500 years in the future. It's the same world as Fortnite. <laughs> <laughs> Although, Fortnite, guys, holy shit. That game has so many characters that they are bringing into it that I'm like, I don't like Fortnite, but man, oh man, do I wish I, I, wish I wanted to play that game because Master Chief's coming. And Daryl and, and, and Daryl and Michonne are coming to it, and it's like Jesus. You guys have like all the goddamn characters, just like Keely was saying. They have like all the goddamn characters in that game. Speaking <laughs> of character reveals and all the characters oh, being in one game, Sephiroth, uh, that yeah. was surprising. Uh, yeah, because Crash Brothers well, revealed Cloud, that Sephiroth Cloud was, was already Cloud was already in it. So I never actually <laughs> would actually go through with it though. You know, I would always like joke around about like, mm-hmm. oh, I wish they just put Sephiroth in this game already, but man. Mm. I mean, it's not going to make me want to play um, Smash Brothers, but it is cool that they're doing that. I love Smash Brothers. Um, I've bought all their DLC. I don't think I've played as Minecraft Steve yet. Uh, oh, that's right. He got added this month. He's getting, or he's at, he's being added this month, or he is going to be added this month. I'm I'm not even sure if I have it or not, but like definitely going to buy it anyway. I've bought all the DLCs. I have every uh-huh. character. The character selection screen is bonkers nuts because it's like the smallest pictures and the most people. The same with the level select screen. I love that game. It's so fun. And I'm definitely going to play a Sephiroth, but I think it was uh, definitely a shocking and cool surprise to start the show that way too. Yeah, not bad. Yep, it's only a matter of time. It's actually probably the, best, probably the best part of the whole show. <laughs> well, um, go ahead, Fisio. I'm sorry. Oh, no, 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 I'm good. Did you guys have any other uh, game reveals that you wanted to bring up? So I have a multiplayer game that they revealed that I do want to, I mean, I don't want to talk about it extensively because I don't know much about it, but um, it's called Hood. It's a, yeah, you get to, yeah, I took that, I wrote down, I think I wrote down basically all the games that got revealed until about like half an hour after the game, the show was like nearing its end. And I'm like, I just lost complete interest in the, in the game awards. But anyway, <laughs> uh, um, yeah, Hood's coming out. Hood looks like it's a, it basically a Hood, it's, it's a Robin Hood story, but it's a multiplayer story. I'm not sure much more about it. All I know is it's a game that I'm going to be paying attention to because it's a game that I might be able to play with my friends. So. That's interesting. A Robin Hood take. I wouldn't have seen that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's about. I don't have anything else on it because I didn't. All I did was write down the name, the titles of the games. I didn't. Uh, didn't write down who's making them. Anything else particular about it? Even though there is one game that surprised you guys haven't haven't said anything about, but they're Perfect Dark. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, I saw that. I saw yeah. that. Uh, I think Perfect it's Dark been like decades since the last yeah. one, right? The 2005, mm-hmm. I think is what I heard. Maybe mm-hmm. is when the last one came out. I'm so glad you brought that up, though, because did you, did you guys play 
Perfect Dark? I've never played any of them. No, I've always I've just been interested in it, but I've never played it. It's because isn't it, wasn't it, was Perfect Dark released on the GameCube or was it like on PS? It's on the no no it was on the Xbox. It was on the Xbox. Oh, okay. It was okay. on the original Xbox. And the original, oh. the first game was on the Nintendo sixty four, I believe. Oh, okay. I'll have to buy it. I'll have to get them. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I really don't have anything to say because I didn't play the originals, but I know no, that okay. game. Mm. I think it's uh it's like a cult classic. I'm pretty sure. Oh um, yeah. Mm. But you you definitely reminded me that we had teaser reveals that they're actually working on a new Mass Effect and yet another teaser for Dragon Age. Mm-hmm. The new we still game know nothing about those games. The only thing that's been confirmed yep. for Dragon Age is that it's going to be a it's a game as a service game. So we have reasons to be afraid. You know, so. I think I think what we should do, mm-hmm. fellas, at least with Mass Effect, and I feel like this would serve us so well, including the listeners. Come with this. Come at this with the lowest expectations you could possibly can. So that way, if this thing actually uh, we, works we, out, we kind of, just we'll see, man, because the reason why it might be hard for some of us to do that is because of the current track record for BioWare. Well, you're saying it's hard for us to have low expectations? Yeah, well, it's, hard, it's, it's hard for me to, 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 to keep my expectations that, well, maybe I'm, maybe I'm, mis, I'm completely misinterpreting, but I like, I... I was going to say not, it's easy for me to have low expectations okay. right now. <laughs> um, I'm, I mean, I'm, ex- I'm not expecting the games to be great, personally. I'm... I, yeah, I have high hopes for Dragon Age because I don't, in my opinion, I don't think they've fucked that series up yet. I mean, we're going to. I mean, uh, the only reason why I was just, it, I, was, I was just paying attention to like the pre-press that they had for it, and they did confirm it's going to have live service in it, which is one of the reasons why um, Anthem really failed because it was a live service. Uh, and then I think that it, uh, there was also something about people saying that, "Hey, can you do your best to keep politics out of this game?" and Whoever the writer was at the time was like, nope, if I want politics in my game, I'll have politics in my game. Just like the normal, you know, backlash or normal stuff that comes out of people talking about video games, all the, what you call it, the 1%, that stuff was going on initially when the game was, and it was originally announced. So right now, like for me, as a, a fan of Dragon Age, uh, looking at it, I don't, I don't, and don't know what to expect from the next game because of, the, because it's coming off of the heels of Anthem. Don't know if we're going to get, um, I mean, we're going to the, the, the Venter Imperium, which is great because you hear about that in all the games, but you never get to go there. And so I'm looking forward to seeing how they do it. I'm glad that I'm cool, cool that we're going to see more about the uh, Dreadwolf and because I thought it was kind of a cute, cool twist from, uh, from Inqu- Inquisition. And then uh, also too, it sounds like the hero we're playing as is going to be some Joe Schmo. Not like the Dragonborn or somebody who was, uh, like, you know, destined to do something. Which is, chosen I think, one. yeah, it's not the chosen one. We're not, we're not playing. We're not playing the chosen one's story. It sounds like. So I'm looking. So it has potential, but because of the because of what happened with Anthem, I don't know. Don't know if we're gonna get what we're what we're kind of once those things. We don't know what to expect, but we are hoping for a great game. I don't know if we're gonna get what we're gonna what we're hoping for. Well, it's interesting that you. Um, I don't know how you feel about the, one of those points you brought up, but you said the, the writer was asked to not include politics in the game and then said, nope, I'm still going to put politics in the game. That sounds oh, like he, didn't say he, was, he didn't say he was going to. He just said that he'll, he basically he, he can do whatever he wants. Well, I'm completely for him, and that's good news to me. Because... Yeah, no, I'm cool with that. But I guess I mean he didn't answer saying that he would, but it, it's a concerning, it's just a concerning thing. Even though there's a lot of politics, just because it's part of the world building in Dragon Age. But if you, that my thing is that I may, I may, I don't know if a lot of other people may agree with me is that we don't want 
our any form of our real world politics in video games if it can I completely counts. disagree with you. I completely Same, disagree actually. with you. Okay. Uh, because when the original Dragon Age Origins came out, the reason why I was attracted to it to start was because people were telling them to keep politics out of their games. Mm-hmm. And the reason that people were complaining about politics in the games is because they included sex or uh, same-sex relationships. And that was mm-hmm. kind of a new thing at the time. And a lot of uh, white cis straight male gamers were complaining that they don't want politics in their games. Whereas Fabrice and I have talked about this before too. It's like me being gay is not a political thing. It's exactly. my life. Right. Right. It's just, I don't understand it, it, how you could say like keep politics out of the games. It's not politics. It's, it's always, it always it just, because it was the same thing with like the, that controversy with like Apex Legends a little while back. It's like it only. It just feels like it's only ever politics when it's like things that you don't like. You know? Yeah, okay. exactly. Well, I mean, it's just all, all. It's just you know, this game also has a lot of things from history. Anyway, remember the elves in the elves in Dragon Age were or they're slaves. They were they had a a huge empire that got decimated by the Ferelden's and they were enslaved. You could say that mages are kind of put in, um, like. Internment camps too. Yeah, it's, yeah. So there's a lot. So I mean, it's it's gonna have like parts of our history in there. Absolutely. Did we lose uh, Vasil? What just happened? Vasile. I think yeah, he just cut out. No. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> uh, right on. My bad, y'all. I got disconnected. But we I understand where you, I, I understand where you guys are coming from. Like you, you guys have a lot of hope that this is gonna be a, a, a great game. So like, I don't want to like rain on your parade. But that's just my personal experience with Bioware. And games I played with them that they it, luckily in, in Inquisition was a great game, even though apparently it had issues with the Frostbite engine. They were struggling with it, but somehow they oh, still made trust. a great game. I so, guess my main argument was just saying that um, whenever people say to keep politics out of games, I hate that argument because life is basically politics. When you say keep politics out of games, I imagine there being like a, a Trump sign in the lawn of the castle or like. Um, Vote yes on eight. Well, you guys did hear that, that Biden like was in Animal Crossing. You guys did hear that Biden was in Animal Crossing, right? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, he yeah he set up a little. Uh, I, that's what I'm talking about. It's kind of stuff like that. It's like real, like relating to like the current world politics is something that I if if it can be helped, keep it out. If it can be helped, if it can't okay. be, then okay, I, fine. I think I, I, just, I think I disagree with that as well because because okay. I, I feel like I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> cause, yeah, because I feel like a part of it is like um, like games are an art form. You know, not just they're not, they're not just purely entertainment that's like appealing sure. to a consumer, and and I feel like you know, games are definitely a form of escapism, but that's not all they are. You're not solely playing a game to get away to get as far away from the fabric of reality as you can. And I think like you know, like whenever games have some sort of opinion to them, that mm. doesn't mean that they're dragging the real world into it. If that's what how they want to express their, their art like that's on them. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like, you know, specifically not wanting anything that relates to the real world in a game mm-hmm. is, it's like saying like, you know, keep uh, like politics out of like music or something like that, or keep like these real world situations out of something I want to just like vibe to. It's just mm-hmm. the art form. Like some games do that, some games don't. And, and I don't feel specifically like set out to do that. Joe Biden doing the house in Animal Crossing uh, was more th- that and uh, Anastasia Ocasio-Cortez making big numbers on Twitch with um, Among uh, Us. Among I, us consider, yeah. I consider those more like social media as opposed to like the 
game having well, yeah, yeah. or not. Right, right. No, yeah, but I don't know. It's like, you know, we, fortunately, we can all, uh, we can all disagree. I just hope that we can all agree to disagree. And, oh yeah, uh, that's like yeah. that's assumed when we start these conversations, yeah. Yeah. you know. So yeah. that's just that's just where that's just where I say like I I have I think I have personal real reasons to be afraid of the to be afraid of the next Dragon Age, and we'll leave it at that. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Same as with Mass Effect. It's like I I looks like that we're going to be possibly going into First Contact, possibly going into the, the uh, Turian Wars when we first make contact with the Turians. Maybe we don't know what to expect. It was just a trailer, but. If it's the same team that made Andromeda, let's just hope that they learn something from Andromeda well, <laughs> when they make this game. <laughs> the new Mass Effect definitely looks like it takes place in the future. Um, oh, does it? Oh, yeah, that's right, because you find a piece of the N7 armor. That's right. Yeah. Not only that, but they show the mass relays being destroyed or having okay. been destroyed. That's oh, good point. Never mind. Okay. Yeah. Right. Was, they're talking about, they, during the trailer, they talked about the first contact with the Turians just kind of as a leading up to that point when, where you see Liara pick up the part of the uh, N7 armor and stuff yeah okay but again it was just a teaser we don't know anything exactly. yeah, I don't know. So, since we don't have any information maybe it's just best to try to suspend judgment instead of clenching our sphincters oh, low well, hopes for mass effect medium hopes for dragon age is how i feel okay i have i, I just go into low for everything so i'm always at least a little surprised <laughs> <laughs> all right any other of the game reveals stand out to you guys no, really. I mean, like like uh, Fabrice was saying, and and uh, frankly, like you were saying, uh, the Game Awards was really underwhelming. Yeah, I feel like really like the big reveals that like we were salivating over were, were mostly during like the respective console launches. Mm. Although were... they did show they did show uh, a release date for uh, Returnal. So Ooh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, and before be, I forget one. too, they did reveal that Disco Elysium is coming with a definitive version to the. Yeah. A definitive version to the consoles, which I'm excited for. That yeah, game man. won a lot of awards last year, and I've been really wanting to play it. So, yeah, I'm definitely gonna pick that one up. Fuck yeah! So yeah, we'll see what we'll see. Yeah, I mean, here's the hoping that uh, next year's. Uh, if well, I mean, I don't know. At this point, I don't know if I can even like. I'm just. I might when it comes to the game awards, I might just kind of be like, let's just see what games they announce and just not pay attention to their nominees and all that stuff because. I just can't. I can't. Hey, it's it fine. Naughty Dog is not putting out a game next year. I just have a problem. I guess like really when it comes to the game wars, it's like, I don't like the way the voting system, I don't care for it. So yeah. Like, know, I, think, I think like maybe it's just better to like look at it as what it is, a combination of celebration of gaming it's a, and, it's just, a public, and it's just a entertainment. It's, it's a, a lot of, sound. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, mm. I think it's like, you know, uh, like again, expectations. That's what I think it is. Mm. What about you, Fabrice? How do you uh, feel about this year's show as a as opposed to what you kind of expect for next year's show? I thought it was. I could have gone without watching it. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> I really could have. Mm. I could have just came home and just relaxed. You know, I think I like how. Mm. I think even though we, I still think we, for the most part, have four different opinions on this topic there's like a general trend here where i think we kind of have some agreement mm. 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 um well with that i guess we can wrap up the episode um yeah. hot takes and cold blood oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, i want to give a special thanks to anchor.fm for hosting and distributing our podcast 
You can visit our website at anchor.fm slash TCOG. And if you'd like to reach out and ask us questions or give us feedback directly, you can find us on Twitter at Cauldron Gaming, or you can email us at thecauldronofgaming at gmail.com. Uh, extreme gratitude goes to Naughty Bits for providing us with the music we use on our show. Uh, you can find out more about him or find more of his music on SoundCloud at Naughty Bits, all one word. Again, that's Naughty, ba- naughty Bits, as in, uh, hey, you kids, be good and stay off Santa's naughty list. Yakushiji's Naughty Bits. Uh, uh, okay, <laughs> when you say that, I'm going to do that. Naughty, naughty boy. We don't want to hear about Yakushiji's Naughty Bits. <laughs> <laughs> Not that uh, it couldn't stay off Santa's list this year. No, no, no. Uh, listeners, witches, uh, wizards, and the magical of heart out there, please rate, review, and subscribe to our little podcast on whatever platform you're listening on. It really helps us get out there, and we'd love to connect with more of you gamers um, to make our show better and uh, build a cool community up. So help us out if you would. Let's say les bon temps roulés. You be kind. Game on.